Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. Nobody wants to uh, be engaged in a direct military confrontation between the West and Russia. Sanctions are not enough, although we're very grateful for that. The pandemic is far from over. He needs to work with yeah. Republicans on unleashing American energy. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in, News and Views, and uh, a lot to talk about, as always. Are, are you enjoying daylight savings time? I mean, it's only, what, three days old? But I must say, I really am enjoying it. It's nice to finish up the program, go home, and have a couple of hours of light. Uh, Well, it might be permanent. A proposal to make daylight savings time permanent in the United States cleared the Senate today and now heads to the House. The Sunshine Protection Act would need to be approved by the House and then signed into law by Joe Biden before it became official. Even then, it wouldn't take effect until November 20th, 2023. That would allow airlines and other industries to prepare Although I don't understand why they have to prepare for it. I mean, it's, (laughs) they do it every year, right? So suddenly you've got to prepare an extra two years to get ready for it to be permanent. Um, So what it would mean would be November 2023 would be the last year that you would fall back. And then the following spring would be the last year you would spring forward. And uh, it means you would have daylight savings time permanent. Uh, There are. Some people that say there are some benefits to it. Uh, the bill was sponsored by Marco Rubio, who uh, said that uh, there's strong science behind that uh, when you switch the clocks back and forth, there's an increase in heart attacks, car accidents, and pedestrian accidents. Car accident? Well, I guess, you know, that. That Monday morning, a lot of people wake up groggy, I guess. Rubio and other Sunshine Protection Act supporters say it would reduce crime in the evening hours and encourage more after-school physical activity for kids. Now, I will agree with the after-school activities, but it would reduce crime in the evening hours. They would just push back the crime an hour. there's There's still the same amount of darkness and light every day. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm decided. I am not gonna go into the occupation of crime because of daylight savings time being permanent. <laughs> oh my! Uh, this will this will make you get a little ticked. Guess who got a raise? By the way, did any of you all get a 21 percent increase in your uh, salaries this year? No. No. Uh, Well, there are people that will. Amid economic turmoil for the American people, the representatives in Washington gave their offices a double-digit raise this month, even as the average American worker finds their real wages decreasing due to inflation that outpaces wage increases if they got any at all. If you miss Congress giving itself a little pat on the back, that's understandable. Uh, Members are not going to tell you about this. But, um, yeah, they did. So the omnibus budget, $1.5 trillion, 2,700-page omnibus budget, 
Uh, as Roll Call explains, the $5.9 billion physical 2022 legislative branch funding portion would substantially boost the office budgets of House members and would provide $774.4 million for members' representative allowance, known as the MRA, which funds the House office budgets for lawmakers, including staff salaries. So I, it doesn't appear to me that the actual members got a raise, but all their offices did, to the tune of 21%. The increased taxpayer funding for congressional offices, $134.4 million more than was allocated last fiscal year. Now, stop and think about this. Who is paying for this? You are. Who is getting it? They are. <laughs> so not only do you have to pay more out, but the people you would least likely to see get it are getting it. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. You got to realize that a lot of the craziness that we see coming out of Washington happens. I know I know it's the, the Congress man or woman that actually votes on this stuff. But a lot of times they're voting on it based on what someone in their office tells them. And I, I would say that's probably more prominent for liberal representatives and, quote, moderate representatives than it is for conservatives, because conservatives get up there to curb government spending. But um, nonetheless, uh, you got to pay it, and they get it, and they will uh, spend it. I'm, you know, okay. I, everybody, if you're working hard and doing your job, maybe you deserve a rate of 21%. That, that was the salary. That was the portion for the salaries for the uh, House workers, the Senate workers, and those offices, 21%. I guess if you can get that work and get that raise. This is interesting. Russia has imposed retaliatory sanctions against President Biden. A number of his top administration officials, including, uh, well, this is Hillary's not a part of his administration, but Hillary is sanctioned. Hunter Biden is being sanctioned. Um, what's interesting about this, uh, on, on the sanction list, President Biden, Hunter Biden, Clinton, Secretary of State Blinken, uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, CIA Director William Burns, Chairman of Joint Chief of, uh, Chief of Staff Mark Milley, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Um, the list goes on, Samantha Powers. Uh, what's interesting about this is Donald Trump is not on there. So wait for it. Wait for the liberal progressives to come out and say, see, Donald Trump was not on the sanction list. Therefore, that proves what we are saying, that he's in cahoots with Putin. Wait for it. I promise you somebody's going to come out and say that in the next 48 hours. Um, I, I will say, Saki had a, a pretty good response. Um, she said, uh, it, it won't surprise any of you that none of us are planning tourist trips to Russia, and none of us have bank accounts that we won't be able to access. She also said, well, according to the official sanction, it looks like the Russian government is sanctioning Joe Biden's dad, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've often asked, why is it 
that Joe Biden is always on the wrong side of these issues. And it could be that, as I mentioned yesterday, that he's getting paid off. And because uh, we know, we know that Hunter Biden and, quote, the big guy got a lot of money from foreign governments. But the other thing you've got to ask yourself, too, is with all that Hunter Biden has done, with all the information that's out there on his laptop and everything else, with all the things that Joe has done over the years, I mean, his brother has gone over and gotten all kinds of big contracts you know, doing buildings overseas and gotten all kinds of huge government contracts. What information does do these foreign governments, Russia and China in particular, have on the Biden family? I mean, you got to ask yourself that question. Is do they have so much smut on Joe Biden? that uh, they just drop them a line and say, Joe, you better do this. Otherwise, we're going to let this out. And it'll be so clear that um, the American people won't put up with you anymore. Or is it just going to be a huge embarrassment? I mean, what do they have on this guy? It's, it's got to be one of those two things. Either he's getting paid off and he wants to continue to get paid off, or they have got so much garbage on this guy they know every skeleton in his closet, and I'm sure there's a lot of them. I mean, this <laughs> I don't know how you could embarrass Hunter any more than he's already been embarrassed. So, I mean, that's, that's sort of down the road pretty far. But Joe himself, I mean, is, is that the problem? Is that the reason why he makes these decisions? Biden is expected to travel to Brussels, Belgium, uh, next week. NATO summit. Biden will join the extraordinary NATO summit that will convene March the 24th, so said Jen Psaki. He will discuss the ongoing deterrence and the defense efforts in response to Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on Ukraine, as well to reaffirm our ironclad commitment to our NATO allies. Biden is also set to join a scheduled European Council summit to discuss shared concerns about Ukraine, including transatlantic efforts to impose economic cost on Russia, provide humanitarian support to those affected by the violence, and to address other challenges related to the conflict. Now, I mean, and Saki came out and said, well, you know, he really is all about face-to-face -face diplomacy. Well, why did you send Kamala? <laughs> uh, so he'll go, and he will come back, and uh, he will take a bunch of bows, and he will tell everybody how he's brought everyone together. Uh, there is a possibility, I suppose. I seriously doubt this is going to happen. I mean, just think of the logistics. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky is not going to come out of Ukraine to go visit with Uncle Joe because they're talking about will he meet with the, with the Ukrainian president well, you know they're not going to send Uncle Joe in there. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It would be interesting to see if he comes back and has a Hillary Clinton story about how, you know, they were shooting at the uh, Air Force One as we landed. You know, yeah, right. In a address earlier today, speaking of Zelensky, he predicted victory over Russian President Vladimir Putin's forces in Ukraine and offered Russian troops 
a chance to survive by surrendering. (laughs) I like it. The 19th day of our resistance is over, historical war. Another difficult day, which is still approaching our victory. Approaching peace for Ukraine, Zelensky began, according to his presidential office. He noted that the enemy is confused and did not expect stiff resistance. Their soldier knows this. Their soldiers know this. Their officers are aware of this. They flee the battlefield. They abandon their equipment. We take trophies and use them to protect Ukraine. They included a picture of a lineup of about a dozen tanks, Russian tanks, that had been abandoned that are now being used by the Ukrainians to fight back against the Russians. Russian conscripts, he said, listen to me very carefully. Russian officers, you've already understood everything. You will not take anything from Ukraine. You will take lives. There are a lot of you, but your life will also be taken. But why should you die? What for? I know you want to survive. Therefore, I offer you a choice, the president said. On behalf of the Ukrainian people, I give you a chance, chance to survive. If you surrender to our forces, we will treat you the way people are supposed to be treated, as people decently, in a way you were not treated in your army, and in a way your army does not treat ours, Zelensky had. Choose. He also praised Russians who are not uh, trying to uh, stop conveying the truth despite Putin's crackdown on journalists. He said he's grateful personally to the woman who entered the studio of Channel One with a poster, um, basically saying um, that uh, stop the war. In fact, it's interesting. She came on behind, uh, she was also the woman I talked about yesterday who regretted that she was pushing the Putin propaganda she had been doing for the last couple of years, and she was totally ashamed of herself. Uh, she was the one that held up the poster that read, Stop the War, Don't Believe in Propaganda, They're Lying to You. Well, now more has come out uh, in terms of Russian civilians boldly advocating against uh, Putin. A pilot for a Russian airline told passengers right after the plane landed in Turkey, and, and he got a uh, applause from those in the cabin, this is your captain, welcome to Turkey, just speaking on my behalf for myself, not as a representative of the airline, I think the war with Ukraine is a crime. We should not continue this war. We must stop it immediately, the pilot continued. The pilot who delivered the announcement in both Russian and English was lauded as brave by a Ukrainian diplomat who shared the video, who happened to be on the plane, shared the video with remarks uh, to Twitter on uh, last Friday. So this is going on, has been going on. Again, this happened last Friday, uh, the situation with the female reporter at the uh, Russian uh, Channel One uh, happened over the weekend. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see. Now, granted, I realize that, you know, boy, you talk about David and Goliath. And here's the thing. I I am shocked in a sense that these people are doing this because if, now, it'll be interesting to see if this pilot asked for asylum in Turkey because uh, I would think the first thing that happens if he flies back to Russia is he'll be under arrest. One wonders if his family members have already been arrested and what's going to happen to this uh, woman who uh, protested on the air concerning what Putin is doing. 
I mean, there's already been hundreds arrested in Russia, thousands probably who have protested. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. Will um, the Russian people double down? I tell you what, if they do, they're uh, they're a brave lot. It also makes you wonder: is I mean, here in America, we have not tasted what it means to be under the iron boot of a dictator. Now, I mean, I know there's, you know, obviously I don't like to see the direction of the politics in America is going. I know a lot of you don't like it either. But um, we have not been in a situation that the people in Russia have been. Now, the older people in Ukraine, they have tasted what it's been like to be under a despot, to be under a dictator. Uh, and then 30 years ago, they got a taste of freedom. You know, I think that's why so many of the older generation over in Ukraine is saying, give me a gun. I'm going to fight for my children and my grandchildren. Give me a gun. I'll lay down my life today. I mean, you've got grandma and grandpa both saying, give me a gun. They've been on both sides and they are running to the battle lines. Because they know how bad it can be. Again, I mentioned the Quinnipiac poll. Overwhelming number of Democrats said they would flee the country if what happened to Ukraine would happen to the United States. Uh, interestingly, independents and Republicans said they'd stay and fight. Not, not all of them, but the majority of them did. Uh, it is uh, disappointing to see what is happening there. It's disappointing to see what's happening here. It's disappointing to see the fact that uh, we have inept leadership that uh, will do very little. They'll talk about humanitarian aid, and uh, they'll take a lot of bows. When Joe Biden gets back, he will, uh, he'll tell you how wonderful he did and how he brought the world together to fight against Putin and Ukraine. Uh, the matter of the fact is... He'll be catching up with uh, the other. I mean, we used to be the leader of NATO. Now others will take the lead, uh, just like Poland, who offered the MIGs, and uh, the Biden administration got in between and said, no, we can't do that. Why? Why would you do that? Again, it comes back to one of two choices, either being paid off or he's being blackmailed. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Mostly cloudy tonight, a little around 48. Slight chance of showers on Wednesday afternoon, a high near 67. Chance of precip is 40%. Tomorrow night, showers likely. Thunderstorms also possible. A low around 55. Chance of rain tomorrow night, 70%. Thursday, a chance of showers in the afternoon again, a high near 71. Partly cloudy Thursday night. And uh, Friday looks pretty good. The weekend actually looks pretty good. We should be back into the upper 70s. Happy birthday to Jimmy Swaggart. I, I didn't know he was still around. 87 years old today. Wow. 
there's actually somebody older than Joe Biden. <laughs> Jimmy Swaggart, 87 years old, the cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis, the late Jerry Lee Lewis. Wow. Former Representative Tulsi Gabbard is hitting back against Mitt Romney for calling her treasonous for her suggestion that Russia, Ukraine, and NATO allies work to negotiate a ceasefire around U.S.-funded biological research facilities in Ukraine. Gabbard generated criticism from Democrats and some Republicans when she posted a video of herself warning that between 35 to 40 U.S.-funded facilities in Ukraine are conducting research into deadly pathogens that could spark a pandemic or loss of life if Russia and NATO do not work to contain them amid ongoing crossfire. Like COVID, these pathogens know no borders, Gabbard said. If they are inadvertently or purposely breached or compromised, they will quickly quickly spread through Europe and the United States and the rest of the world, causing untold suffering and death. These labs need to be shut down immediately, and the pathogens that they hold need to be destroyed, she said. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, Mitt Romney said, Tulsi Gabbard is parroting false Russian propaganda. Her treasonous lives, lies may well cost lives. Romney was not alone in his condemnation of Gabbard, who was joined by John Cooper, former national finance chair of the draft Biden 2016. Who's the bigger traitor, Tucker Carlson or Tulsi Gabbard? Um, she responded by saying, Senator Romney, you've called me treasonous, a treasonous liar, simply for stating the fact that there are over 25 U.S. funded bio labs in Ukraine, which if breached would release and spread deadly pathogens across the United States and the world. They must be secured so we can prevent any new pandemics from occurring. Gabbert then called on Romney to provide evidence of her treason or do the honorable thing and apologize. Gabbert cited recent comments from U.S. Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland, who confirmed in a congressional hearing last Tuesday that Ukraine was home to biological research facilities and that the State Department was quite concerned Russia could take them into their possession. Now, you know, a couple of questions come to mind, um, Mitt. If uh, this is treasonous by Tulsi Gabbert, is it treasonous that Victoria Newland said so. And listen, I don't have any clue if Tulsi Gabbard and Victoria Newland are speaking the truth or not. But I would say this, Mitt, if you're going to be this harsh with Tulsi Gabbard, could you be so kind as to be that harsh with Joe Biden as you are with Gabbard? Biden is allowing the Russians to be the negotiators between the United States and Iran on this nuclear deal. I mean, that makes what Gabbert says seem pretty tame in comparison. Would you please come out and say those kind of words about Joe Biden and the people that are saying this is a good idea that Russia is negotiating on our behalf for this nuclear deal? (laughs) Talk about treasonous. By the way, um, there is a lot of... uh, hoopla going on with this uh, Iranian deal. 
And uh, last week, federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy asked why congressional Republicans are not being more aggressive and vocal about the Biden administration's um, deal with Russia being the negotiator for us. Well, this week, every Republican senator except for Rand Paul signed a letter warning the Biden administration against attempting to ratify any agreement with Iran without congressional input and oversight. Jim Enhoff released a press release saying, according to press reports, the Biden administration may soon conclude an agreement with Iran to provide substantial sanctions relief in exchange for merely short-term limitation on Iran's nuclear program. By every indication, the Biden administration appears to have given away the store. The administration appears to have agreed to lift sanctions that were not even in place on Iran for its nuclear activities in the first place, but instead because of its ongoing support for terrorism and its gross abuse of human rights. The nuclear limitation in this new deal appeared to be significantly less restrictive than the 2015 nuclear deal, which was itself too weak and will sharply undermine U.S. leverage to secure an actual an actually longer and stronger deal. What is more, the deal appears likely to deepen Iran's financial and security relationship with Moscow and Beijing, including through arms sales. The administration has thus far refused to commit to submit a new Iran deal to the Senate for ratification as a treaty, as per its constitutional obligation, or for a review under statutory requirements that passed on a bipartisan basis in response to the 2015 deal. Additionally, despite earlier promises to the contrary, the administration has failed to adequately consult with Congress. Republicans have made it clear we would be willing and eager to support an, Iran, an Iranian policy that completely blocks Iran's path to a nuclear weapons capability, constrains Iran's ballistic missile program, and confronts Iran's support for terrorism. But if the administration agrees to a deal that fails to achieve these objectives or make achieving them more difficult, Republicans will do everything in our power to reverse it unless Iran ceases its support for terrorism we will oppose removing and seek to reimpose any terrorism-related sanctions, and we will force the Senate to vote on any administration effort to do so. We strongly urge the administration, our Democratic colleagues, and the international community to learn the lessons of the very recent past, uh, a major agreement that does not have strong bipartisan support in Congress will not survive. And just, just within the last two weeks, Iran has fired missiles— that came with just within miles of a U.S. consulate. I, I, again, you look at what the Biden administration is doing, and you've got to ask yourself the same question I asked earlier. What is going on? Either they have some barnyard pictures of Joe Biden and his family members, or he's getting a major payoff. I, I, for the life of me, what else is going on? Or do, does he actually believe that a, a terrorist country is in our, our best interest to be allies with them? Or the despots over in Russia and China? You, you can't believe anything this guy says. You, you're just left scratching your head. But he wants to do this deal. Uh. 
Joe Biden, um, while he says no Russian oil, by the way, he came out today and said no Venezuelan oil. At the same time, though, and listen, I've been I've been saying this is going to happen for the last two or three weeks. President Joe Biden's sweeping ban on Russian oil and gas has prompted liberals to argue that he should further extend his executive powers and declare a national climate emergency. Really? So in the midst of all that we've got going on, inflation at record highs. I mean, the second month in a row, we've had 10% inflation. In the past week, op-eds in The Nation and The Hill have argued that Biden should make use of the National Emergencies Act and the Defense Production Act to aggressively regulate the supply and demand of U.S. energy and move the nation off fossil fuels. Both articles reference climate reports published in February when Russia invaded Ukraine and echo a claim made last week by Biden that the invasion should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. Do these morons not realize that if we totally left fossil fuels, uh, we would have frost on the fannies next winter? Bernie Sanders first introduced legislation to declare a national climate emergency in July of 2019, shortly after Biden was inaugurated in January of 2021. Senate Majority Leader Chuckles the Clown Schumer also urged the president to declare one. Environmental groups have long advocated for the move. The authors of the Nation op-ed, Gene Sue and Mela Golden-Krasner, write that the president must withstand the pressure amid Russia's invasion to increase U.S. oil production, adding that exploiting crises to push for more oil production has long been a favorite trick of the fossil fuel lobby. Well, apparently your favorite trick is to use never let a, a good crisis go to waste. Let's use this to further our greeny deal. And that's exactly what they're doing. Biden must resist the inevitable pressure he will face to expand domestic oil production as a means of offsetting the energy disruptions caused by Russia's invasion. And again, listen, you're going to have fossil fuel that will be used. Whose are you going to use? Because the, the, the fuel we have here in the United States, I mean, look, if use, use natural gas. That's the cleanest fuel we've got. In fact, the truth of the matter is, how are you going to generate the electricity to, to run your cars? You're not going to do it through solar. You're not going to do it through wind. You're going to burn coal or you're going to burn oil or gas to generate the electricity to charge your car. <laughs> Eric Ortz, the author of The Hill Piece and a former Pennsylvania candidate for the U.S. Senate, also argues that dependence on fossil fuels empowers authoritarian leaders such as Putin and Saudi Arabian crown prince. A transition to so-called clean energy, he counters, would reduce the geopolitical power of uh, petrostates such as Russia and Saudi Arabia. Well, so would us pumping our own oil. The Washington Free Beacon has reported that the Biden administration 
push to transition to clean energy sources, however, may empower another authoritarian nation, China, and their control, they control the majority of the production of the silicon wafers used in solar panels, the rare earths used in wind turbines, and lithium for electric vehicles. So who do you want to support? <laughs> when we have everything we need right here for our energy needs. When will the American people have enough? I mean, listen, you had the truckers. They're going to have their convo go to Washington, D.C., and they called in the National Guard. Sooner or later, listen, I'm not saying go do it, but if you want to, (laughs) when are the people going to go up to Washington, D.C.? You, you thought January 6th was bad. And, and again, they'll, they'll turn around and saw, see what happened on January the 6th. And they said, oh, how could this possibly happen? Oh, my goodness. These people are so unruly. You think that was unruly? You keep doing what you're doing and helping the enemies of the United States and, and cutting off the American people at the knees. You think what happened on January 6th was bad? Five six one eight two five five. We're gonna take a quick time out. We'll get to your telephone calls as soon as we get back. I promise. Give us a call. Five six one eight two five five. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 561-8255 if you want to join the conversation. A little frustrating today as we look at our uh, leadership in our nation. Can we please, can we hang in there? I guess my optimist side of me is, um, although Jimmy Carter seems like the good old days compared to what we've got in there now. I mean, Jimmy Carter really was inept. Uh, The leadership we have now is just on the wrong side of every issue. But back when Carter, we never thought those four years would get over. And we we survived them. Got Got to the other side. And Jimmy Carter brought in Ronald Reagan. Hopefully, come November, the... uh, Biden administration will be so hamstrung because of uh, the Republicans in the House and the Senate. Let's let's elect good Republicans. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Doug down in New Bern. Hey, Doug. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, the analogy I'm using is for what's going on is I go back to Flight ninety three on nine eleven. Mm-hmm. The the people the passengers on that plane knew. The people that took over, took control, were going to do damage to our nation. So they they acted, and they knew, you know, they didn't they wanted they didn't want to die, they didn't want to upset the country or hijack the plane, but they, they took action, and it ended up to a lot of their deaths. But I feel like I'm on Flight 93, watching people want to want to destroy this nation right right now, and the only reason the American people aren't aren't really doing anything. Number one, most of them are law-abiding citizens. Number two, 
they don't want to see this country tore apart. Yeah. You know, you know, we, we have a tendency to respect the other guy's opinion, but it's gotten to the point now it's going too far and something is going to have to give. Well, it used to be we, we both wanted a, a, a country that was free, that we could enjoy our liberties, and there was two different ways of figuring out how we were going to get there. Uh, it's not that way anymore. Now the goals are yep. in opposite directions. I think your Flight 93 is a great uh, illustration of you know, when when these people were as frustrated as uh, they were in seeing that somebody had taken – well, I mean, it was, frustration doesn't even begin to describe. You know, They were panicked. They were upset. And yet you're right. They were willing to give up their own lives – for the greater good. And they believed in America. Yeah. They believed yeah. in America. They yeah. believed, and that's the majority of what American people do. And I don't care what race, creed, religion you are. Most of the people here believe in, a, in America. We've got a small minority that seem to be in control right now because I don't know anybody personally that thinks like these people do. Right. Well, again. And I know a lot of people. <laughs> just. Just yesterday, I was talking about the fact that there was a, a poll out, and the Republicans have a nine percentage point advantage in the Hispanic community over the Democrats, and in the African American community, they have jumped from twelve percentage points in the African American community to I think it was twenty seven percentage points today. So, and I, the reason I point that out is uh, the African American community, especially, has traditionally always voted for the Democrats. I mean, just you know, no questions asked, they're going to vote for the Democrats, and it's not that way anymore. And you know, as I said yesterday, if those stats are true, it's game over. And uh, you know, they can they can do all the che- cheating they want to do in this next election. It ain't, it, there's no possible way. They're going to control the House and the Senate after this next election takes place. So, hey, Doug. Keep up the talk. Keep up the talk. God bless America. Well, I appreciate it, Doug. God bless America, and thanks for your uh, illustration. I like that. 561-8255. Is it Kim? Is that who's next? Okay, let's go to Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Yes, great show. Um, My biggest concern, and the previous caller hit on it a little bit, you know, with the controlled plane crash type of thing where they just want to run it in the ground, I believe. And I'm really just as frustrated with the Republicans, you know, to just sit back and, you know, well, we really can't do nothing, you know, we're not in control or whatever, you know. But when the Democrats were faced with that kind, they'd walk out. They wouldn't even show up. You know, they'd all stick together 100 percent. You're not like Mitt Romney saying, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, should be tried for treason, you know, and just crazy stuff that come out of these people, you know, and I'm ex-military and law enforcement, and it is just insane what they're doing to our country, and we are law-abiding citizens, but I took an oath, you know, for, you know, foreign or domestic to, you know, stand up for this country, and when does that point come? You know, when are you supposed to go to Washington without getting thrown in the gulag you know yeah. i mean i just don't know what you can do because these people don't care about us they care about themselves that are in charge well you know it's interesting it's pretty- because look what they're doing over in russia i mean you know, if they're protesting they're immediately locking them up and throwing away the key 
And uh, what did they do on January 6th of last year? They locked him up and threw away the key. And in both instances, they want to put down any resistance to what they want. And right. all, yeah, yeah they, they are just going to say, no, no, we're, you know, we're going to make a show of these people so this never happens again. Yeah, and the perfect example was, you know, I'm, I'm not really that keen on our congressman and our senator from North Carolina, you know, with the stuff they were involved with, you know, especially Burr. You know, everybody thought he was this, you know, upstanding guy, and then next thing you know, he's right in with the rest of them, yeah. you know, so... I mean, they all got to go. That's the bottom line. They all got to go. I mean, well, I firmly believe that. You will be happy to note that uh, Sarah Bloom Raskin, who Joe Biden had picked for the Federal Reserve's top banking regulator, she withdrew her nomination today. And one of the reasons they did is because uh, there was so much resistance to her um, going on. You know, her problem was um, she was making decisions based on global warming. And she was going to go in and she was going to penalize institutions that were not doing everything that they were told to do when it came to climate change and global warming. And pretty, pretty blatant stuff. And Pat Toomey was on uh, with um, Fox Business earlier today and was just saying that, you know, she had forced the uh, Federal Reserve to make certain decisions and certain approvals. She was putting pressure on, but she wouldn't answer the question as to why she was doing certain things. It it just came across as very fishy. But the Republicans, they got now, this wouldn't have affected the vote had Joe Manchin not come out and said, I'm not voting for this person. But the Republicans did get up and walk out. And as a result, they they couldn't get it out of committee. But it was pretty obvious that Joe Manchin was not going to vote for her, so she ended up withdrawing her name. So. Right. And I'm originally from West Virginia. And I tell you what, Manchin, when he was governor uh, of West Virginia, I mean, I'm a Republican or independent. But I mean, the guy does sincere, sincerely think of what the people does, you know, or what the people need. Right. And he will vote, you know, against the grain. And I mean, that's one thing about this guy that, you know, a lot of people don't like him or whatever because he's a Democrat. But I tell you what, he's one of the guys you need. With, I, uh, yeah, and, I, you know, he's he, he's still pretty liberal on some issues, but I just don't know how you can stay in the Democrat Party. I mean, I at least think he'd go independent. Uh, I, because, I mean, I just, I just don't know how you can put up with the foolishness that his uh, fellow Democrats uh, that surround him embrace. But. Right. And he sees that. I mean, he admits it, that they're off the rails. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But what do you think about that Tulsi Gabbard thing? I mean, have you seen any of that? Her, the video that she showed? With the bio lab? Yeah. And just, just I, I, talking I, about what it was? I, you know, here's the thing. I, Victoria Nuland is out of the Biden administration, and I just have a hard time trusting anything that comes out of that administration. I mean, if they told me that uh, the sun was out at 12 noon, I'd have to go out the outside and look, make sure it was up there. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I like uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, she does seem to be a reasonable Democrat. I, I just don't know. But uh, the response that Mitt Romney gave to her it's just over the top, I, you know. Right. I mean, that's what strikes fear in somebody protesting or somebody, you know, going against the people, yep. you know, that are in charge because they're threatening everybody basically with, we're going to put you away one way or another or ruin you. Yep. And that's 
pretty sad state of affairs for our country. Hey, Kim, thanks for the call. Show, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. 561-8255. Ryan from Wilmington has been waiting patiently. Hey, Ryan. Hey, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Good to be on. I listen to y'all every day. I just want to say y'all do a great service to the local community in North Carolina. Well, thank you, Ryan. Do appreciate that. So I have really, really, I have three things, and I'm going to try to make it short because I know you have not a lot of time. Um, I was an intern for Senator Richard Byrd um, in 2018, and I was when I was in there, I took my job seriously as an intern, right? Mm-hmm. And I was in charge of trying to help veterans. Well, there's the very first call I got, and I'm not going to say the man's name but i'll never forget his name because he cried on the phone and that he is one of many that i was able to help and i thank god that i was able to do that and i was there but it took me to raise hell in that office one day to get them to start doing their job and i think it's it's from the top down uh, mentality where okay we don't we only have to do the bare minimum you know you're putting these right. these uh, people that are just going to work just to work yep. for benefits and stuff like that and they don't see what their actions really how their actions can really help these people us the American people so anyways after that I had this epiphany in there after college uh, when I was talking to all my friends in, in school and saying, y'all are crazy because this man, Donald Trump, is speaking what the middle America people like me are thinking. He's just the first person to come out and actually do what he said he was going to do. So the epiphany that I had was a national security standpoint. Um, you got the right pulling one way, and you got the left pulling another way. Our adversaries and our enemies, the globalists and the Chinese and all that, they're counting on America to fall. That is what they're wanting. They're sitting there watching every day, rubbing their hands. They can't wait. They just cannot wait for the moment where chaos breaks out in the United States. And that's why I think this whole Ukrainian thing and everything is starting to happen to get people to go crazy so that the, the people who are in power can crack down on us. They can start stomping on our Constitution. So that was one thing. And after that, I decided I was going to enlist into the military. And I did. And I can proudly say that I'm serving my country right now. And I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, thank and you. Thank you, Ryan, thank you for your service. Much. That's really nice. But, and I'm a, I'm a millennial. And I see a lot of millennials that are just so caught up in the social media. They don't care the day-to-day thing. They're just caught up in their own life. And then I started to expand my per- my perception and look look up, move up and look down like a chessboard and figure out what society is doing. Well, everybody's so caught up in their day-to-day thing, but they want to complain this, that, and the other, but nobody actually knows what well, to hey, do. Ryan, because- we're gonna, I'm going to cut you off because we're about out of time. But the good news right. is, the good news is, 
they are, they're having to wake up because they're going to the gas pump. They're going to the grocery store. They're seeing empty shelves. They're seeing prices skyrocketing. So uh, Joe Biden has woken them up. They're awake. Hey, by the way, we want to uh, congratulate uh, Dr. Richard slash Rachel Levine. Uh, she made the USA Today Women of the Year finalist list. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>